Craft Beer Radio, episode 390, on August 14th, 2016. What's up, B? What's up, B? I'm searching the city for sci-fi wasabi. And welcome, everybody, to Craft Beer Radio, our 390th episode, where we have a bunch of Maryland beers, do we not? Yes. Jason sent these in. Thank you, Jason. So, what should we do first? Actually, I have to drink my pre-show. I've been my pre-show <laughs> so beer. busy talking about science and things. Uh, tell me what we have. Okay, so we Jason. Jason's probably one of the most dedicated listeners to the show. He wants to know what we're drinking the Saturday night where we record shows. Listens immediately, and he wanted to send some of his favorite breweries and favorite beers from this local Maryland market. So. Put together a care package and sent those up. So we have beers from RAR, Union, Manor Hill, Oliver, and Duclaw. Uh, Let's start with something nice and light like the Kolsch from Manor Hill. What do you think? That sounds like a good idea. Kolsch. 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 Well, Germans. I didn't say it quite right for a German accent uh. either, but Kolsch. Because the the L's very light, right? Ooh, very big head. So the Kolsch. Let me pull up the information I have on here. Four point six percent alcohol by volume. Uh, dry hopped using uh, whole melon. Hops, H U L L melon hops, oh, no, no. Uh, which is a they call it a unique German hop variety, which I'm not uh, familiar with. We can look that up. Um, and they use German pale wheat and Pilsner malts. Beer poured with a ginormous head. Ginormous. Uh, I think. Well, here it's spelled H U E L L, but I see H U L L is also out there. Uh, a fruity aroma. And yeah, we had that not too long ago on, on another show. I remember talking about it and looking it up. So it's basically like a, a freer hot variety. Honeymoon, melon, and strawberry, they say. Yeah, this, this head is whack. It doesn't look like a head from an infected beer, right? Cause it's, yeah. It has that shaving head creaminess to it, shaving cream creaminess to it. It looks like a you know, good, strong Pilsner head or something like that. But it is super huge. Beer doesn't smell infected right off the top, at least. So it just poured with a huge head. Okay. Uh, I need you to turn me up if, if I'm not up. Okay. See which ones of these are, per, are the best. Coach. Coach. Well, that that was useless. Coach. 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 You got to have, I guess, that sort of. German. You got to learn how to pronounce that. Um, yeah. Coach. Okay, I'm, so, I'm not saying it right. I'm trying, but the word, the sound that yeah. I'm hearing, is not well, what not. I what I want my tongue to do. All right, so now that the head is only half of the glass high, it's still three fingers tall. I'm smelling some, like, wheat and uh, just some light malt, which I guess is the Pilsner malt there. Yeah, I uh, see. What I'm smelling, 
I think, you know, I'm smelling kind of that melony hop. I'm smelling something that's kind of like a really sweet cantaloupe. Yeah, and... I, I was, yeah, I, I agree. I'm smelling that too, but I was I was looking for, I think I, I was trying to pay okay. attention to the malty stuff. But I was looking for if there was any also off Yeah, smell. I'm not smelling anything off yet. Uh, that melony cantaloupe is the first mm-hmm. thing that I smelled. Now I'm smelling something that's kind of a little spicy or peppery maybe. I'm not sure. Maybe that was just CO two singing my nose. Well, it's got it's got a high carbonation. It's got a lot of CO two in it. It's it's pretty bright with, with that with that hop in there. Oh yeah, it has a a different angle on Kolsch than I've India Pale Kolsch. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's a there's a fruity like a, a bright fruitiness going along with it, as opposed to sort of a deeper. Um, I mean, when I think of cultures normally, uh, if, if there's if there's any fruitiness, it's down in some sort of yeah. I mean, it's like like a light esteriness, right? Yeah. And because cultures almost to a T have continental hops, you know, traditional continental hops, more earthy, spicy, and this one with the big fruity hop, it's it. I like the beer that I'm drinking, but you know, it's definitely a diversion from the the rut of you know a style. The the carbonation. It's high, and it feels a little bit like um, a seltzer water, almost, to me. Mm-hmm. And that's... It's an interesting mouthfeel that I'm going to have to get used to, I think, because I'm not... It, it feels like a little bit like that truly that we had. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, that had less carbonation than a seltzer water that I'm used to. But if you imagine, like... a one of these seltzer waters that has some flavoring added to it, just a little bit, but it's, so it's really zingy, has a little bit of flavor. Mm-hmm. That same texture is happening from this. There's other flavors going on in the beer, but that I'm getting that same texture applied to my tongue. It's a weird contrast that I'm trying to trying to deal with that, trying to to work that into the other stuff I'm tasting. Actually, now that the beer is warmed up and empty, and I have a huge Headspace for aroma. I am smelling a little bit of um, rubbery, band-aid-y, uh, maybe rubber hose type aromas coming off of this. I'm not tasting it, but I am smelling it a little bit. So I think maybe there were some little wild beasties in there that caused the carb- excess carbonation. Yeah, it, that high carb. I, I'm not tasting the the rubber notes, but. I'm not really tasting it. I'm smelling it now that yeah. I have all this space in my glass to collect aroma. But it, it doesn't feel like that they, they wanted that sharpness of that carbonation. Because it's, it's really... Yeah, it's still hard for me to wrap my head around. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't figure it out. I can't figure my way through it. Too bad. I think there's something good in there. I think the idea of using... Of those the, hops, yeah. Yeah. If that's our dump bucket, is apparently can. it is. All right, well, feel Better free to. to. It's easier to pour into a can than from a bottle. Got that whole lip right there. One of the big stories that we missed on our vacation was the AB and Bev SAB Miller deal. Right. Uh, they have it got approved, but with conditions such that the Brewers Association was actually applauding it. One of the conditions 
is that they can no longer purchase any other craft beers without without DOJ approval. DOJ approval, but basically, there's <laughs> almost no reason why they would be approved, mm-hmm. and that's a huge a, a huge amount of stuff to deal with to buy a small brewery, and there's no reason for it has a wish to go through that kind of legal hassle anyway. So for 10 years, there's no more purchasing of breweries by SA, by InBev, SAB, Miller, AB, or whatever they're going to be calling mm-hmm. themselves. America. <laughs> right. So what that means to me is, is there's an interesting thing going on because there's a consolidation of the commod- the beer as commodity section, sector of the market. Uh, because the growth trend is in Alka Pops and craft beer. Mm-hmm. So AB InBev and Miller, well, the thing is that the Miller brands are going to be spun off, right? Miller Coors is, sp- is spun off into a different company that controls Miller. Okay. The, the, so it's the SAB stuff that oh, really they were, they were right. coming after, the Pilsner, Cal, and other things on that line. Right. South American brewers. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting sort of restructuring without there being a huge change to the overall beer market. Or SAB, I guess, is South yeah. African, not South American. But anyway, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Our next beer is Balt, Alt Beer from Union Craft Brewing. So Bolt is kind of a play on Baltimore and Alt Beer, I would guess. 5.6% alcohol by volume, 45 IBUs, Pilsner malt, Munich malt, Kara Munich malt, and Carafa malts are used in this guy. Perlay and Tetnang hops, and a German alt yeast. Color is a deep brown. Moderately, well, there's a little bit of haze there. I was going to say moderately clear, but I would, I would call it... Partly hazy. It's got that sort of um, caramelized, slightly woody aroma coming mm-hmm. off of it that you would I mean, expect. From, I, would, I would call this a little more toasted than, than caramel. I think. I mean, that's how I would describe this. Right? I because you, you said woody, right? So yeah. you know, toasted oak, toasted yeah. wood. Toasted toast, you know, that kind of thing. I of the beholder, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure. they're, they're, they're related compounds anyway. Yeah, so the aroma on this one is is mostly the grains. You know, you get some of that Munich malt. But then there's a fair amount of esters. You know, remember, an opier is a German ale. And ale yeast give off more esters. So there's a fair amount of estery profile here. And they're using a German... Ale yeast, so our German alt yeast. Yeah. So you know it could potentially be something from Urga or something like that. You know, with a very uh, distinct, you know, alt beer profile. So the alt beer is kind of the the German version of an old ale in a sense. It because alt means old, and it's like their traditional, more malty version of of kind of stuff that they do. I, I would. It's it's not an old ale by any stretch of the imagination, but in terms of how how the style evolved and how the style continues, mm-hmm. I think it's something along those lines. Yeah, 
the um, the toffee, the toasted, mm. and you know, yeah, and in the flavor, I'll say there's caramel too. Those three flavors are really dominating the flavor. First sip, it was pretty powerful. Second sip, I'm getting acclimated. The bitterness is coming into play to balance that mm-hmm. beer out. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely malt forward for this guy. Which is it's good. It's funny because I have this thing against alt beers because the first alt beer I had is one of the worst beers I've ever had. <laughs> uh, but most other alt beers I've had I've enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But I still have this like stigma when I hear mm-hmm. alt beer. But but yeah, yeah, I mean, it was it was at victory of that ten years that the ten double stick year. alt yeah yeah I remember I remember that review very clearly that I mean we like victory but that beer was. It almost tastes like it was scorched in the kettle. Yeah. I mean, there was all kinds of awful on that thing. And I remember people saying they liked that beer. Maybe we just weren't ready for Doppelstickalts. That or we got a bad bottle. I mean, who knows? Yeah, We weren't as aware of things that could happen in the most... bottle at the time. We didn't have as much mm-hmm. training. No, I think, you know, before you can really... You know, I think you need to go to Germany and drink fresh alt beer mm-hmm. before you really know what alt beer tastes like. Yeah. Well, no. No? No, I disagree with you. I don't... Because I, I I don't see a reason why somebody can't just make a great alt beer that's as good as, as a German beer in America. Well, no, you can have a good beer that calls itself an alt, but you're not really going to know how it compares to... Why not? A German brewer comes over and makes an alt beer in America? What, you think that, oh, okay. you think Florian can't make a great alt? No, but I... I what I mean, okay, so I want... I want to go set a benchmark. I want to go to Erga and drink some old beer at the tap room. And then, you know, then I'll know. Then you'll know what? Then I'll know. Then you'll know what their version of alt beer tastes like. Yes. That's not, it might be archetypal, but it doesn't mean that that's the best or that is. No, I'm not saying it's the best, but, and maybe I'll hate it. And maybe I'll like this beer better, but, you know, I feel like I can't speak authoritatively until I have more experience with fresh local alt beer. But I, I don't think that that fresh local alt beer has to be made in Germany for it to be valid. If you're comparing it... Oh, sure. If you're talking about good beer or comparing it against the style, right? And I feel that I alt beer... I think I know generally what a decent alt beer is, but mm-hmm. I also don't think that I've tasted, you know... Enough alt beers, maybe? I don't think I taste an alt beer that tastes like beer from Dusseldorf when you're in Dusseldorf. I question your premise, but I don't have a, a great argument against it, but I feel like there is some something, some dots that I'm not connecting I, to. I just, you know, it's more of a historian type thing, right? It's more of, you know, I'm not going to feel like I truly know the style until I go to its birthplace. It's like uh, when I was talking to uh, Keith Cost. Remember, he used to live mm-hmm. here. He lives out in California now. He was in Pilsen drinking Pilsners. And, you know, like one of the things on Pilsners is a little to no diacetyl for a Czech Pils. The beers over there, like, were butter bombs, but they tasted good, you know? And, you know, it was just one of those things that if you just were a book learned, you know, you don't know what a real pilts and pills can taste like and i feel alt beer that's for me i think alt beer is that way i okay, feel, I feel okay. truly that way about it about it i i i hear where you're coming from the 
the disconnect for me is well if the book says no diacetyl and you go to Pilsen and it's full of diacetyl well then are you really drinking Pilsners at that point but the book's made, written by you know the, they're written by a guy in Columbus Ohio but they're written but they they go through an approval process it's not like one sure. guy writes right. it and sure. And that's it. Approved by a bunch of people who have not spent much time in Pilsen, you know. How do you know that? I mean, I don't know that, but I'm playing devil's advocate here. And you're, no, you're, you're you're playing devil's okay, assume. I'm playing devil's assume. Okay, <laughs> you're all right. You're assuming. So the this conclusion. is an argument. I, I'm, I'm tired of this argument. You can win, and I am done. You don't have to go to. It's not about me winning. I, I'm just <laughs> okay, but I'm tired of the argument. I'm not going to be able to finish it any other okay. way. because so. I do think there's a valid thing in there, which is that we've talked before, and we can talk. We constantly talked about how perceptions play a role in what you're doing and the act of being in a place and especially if it's a trip of some sort plays into sure. all of your other okay. senses and stuff like so, that. So difference between alt beer and say a lot of Belgian beers and things like that is that alt beer is a more I, I feel that it's a more delicate style. I don't think it's gonna travel very well. Okay. I think that there's not enough traditional examples made by American breweries. I just don't think I have a very good um, experience with a vast variety of alt beers to know what a alt beer tastes Does like. Does that apply yeah. to something like a Goza as well? I don't think... I think Goza is a, a weird example, right? Because Goza was practically extinct except for like two places in Leipzig. Mm -hmm. But so, would you need to go to Leipzig to get the... To really understand no, what but I, I think I think when you get salt and lacto, you know that's not delicate. That's granted. You know where I think alt beer well it has a lot of toffee. Okay, so like how much toffee, how much toast, and how much caramel is appropriate in an alt beer? It's hard to say, right? And I would like to survey the brewers. Okay, in I, I, okay. I, I now I, I see more where you're coming from now because it's it's really it's a tolerance thing, right? Because there, there's you don't you don't really have a good enough picture of alt beer in your mind to set those right. Dials. I mean, I've had Uriga before, but I've right. had a bottle of Uriga that's been in a shipping right. container, okay. and you know, I, I'm not going to put very much stock in mm -hmm. that. I need to go on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean before I put much stock in tasting Uriga. I, I think that so my contention would be well, your your basic premise seems sound. If there were a whole bunch of breweries making alt beers in America, then you'd have a better... Yeah. You wouldn't necessarily have to. Yeah. If alt beer was as popular as Goza, you, I would probably be able to pick out what has traditional flavors and what has neo-alt beer yeah. flavors. I mean, Goza, you can get that. Like yeah. the, the watermelon Goza. I don't think they're making that sleep <laughs> sink, right? Yeah. So... Okay. Great. Great. We, we figured out the, the, the point and we... Nail it down. Good. Yeah. When we finished drinking that that bolt from Union Brewing while you're we arguing <laughs> about it, I like this beer. I, I yeah, it, it, I think it was really good. I enjoyed I it. It was a good drinker. Um, I yeah, I, I, I would I would think that it's probably a little, like I think the the caramel toffee toasty bits were probably a little amped up in this one compared to other alt beers that I've had. But I, it probably, wasn't overblown. But I think it worked out well. You know, you might think of a super fresh alt beer might have those. Pronounced yeah. anyway, particularly if it's, it was nice and yeah. fresh. Yeah. Let's go back to Manor Hill. Let's All see right. if this one pours with a more reasonable head. Looks more reasonable it so does. far. Yes. This is a grisette. 
We don't have many of those around here. Another Grisette's a, a like kind of a, a Belgian single table beer type, yeah. type thing. Four point seven percent alcohol by volume. Uh, Mosaic and Hillertown Blanc hops. Uh, haven't had many uh, saisons with with Mosaic. I think maybe Wait, Mosaics in here. Yeah. Okay. Alrighty, let's give this a try. Yeah, Grisette is um, kind of like a, a table beer. Um, like uh, the story that I was told from Scott at East End was that uh, it's named after the uh, clothing that the maidens wore. They would fill pails of beer and take them to the mines. And when the miners came up out of the mines, the Grisette would, the lady wearing a gray dress and Grisette, something along like gray dress or something like that, um, would be there with the beer and they would take it. So that's kind of the story that I It feels heard. like one of those just so stories, like as I've recently found out, the IPA story is kind of a just so story. Okay. Uh, they're, they're, you know, as you might expect, there's a lot more complicated things as to how IPAs <laughs> sure. come about. Right. Uh, the mosaic is in the aroma. Yeah. So we have a. It almost looks like pineapple juice. That's sort of the color. Mm-hmm. And it's cloudy, but you can see the uh, the carbonation coming out from the nucleation sites in the glass. So that's interesting looking. Kind of like a champagne-ish mm-hmm. look to it. The aroma is... What is the aroma? Well, imagine if you... Pineapple it, passion fruit, I guess. Imagine if you had uh, mangoes with a bit of... Barnhouse dirt on them. <laughs> okay. See, I'm not really smelling anything straight up mango-y. I'm smelling something a little more citrus, like a pineapple, but with like passion fruit blended into it. Mmm. Another high carbonation one. Mm-hmm. You generally... Or in the past have liked the high carbonation. I, I do. There's something about the way this is rubbing my tongue right now that um, this is more appealing than the last one. I'll give mm-hmm. you say that. Yeah. It's a little odd to have that mango with the kind of farmhouse quality. I'm. I we have had a couple of these in the past. I remember having. Another, uh, oh, who was it? I have to try to work some of this carbonation out. Oh, go for it. No, I can't remember which beer it was. I know, I remember probably about two or three months ago, we had a something like, like a Saison, which had mango or mosaic in it. So right now I'm swirling my glass a lot to agitate it enough to release a lot of the carbon dioxide. So I should be at least getting this down to three quarters or so of the carbonation, if not further. Manor Hill Brewing is in Elcott City, Maryland. Now, dare I say that I do smell something a little band-aid-y. Really? I'm not getting it in this one. Let's see if you can smell it on mine. just Because I, I did a lot of agitation, so maybe that Smelling melon rind, but nothing really band-aidy. Okay, it's possible I could be confusing something. Yeah, I mean, so mine still smells more fruity, or maybe even some like pineapple rind, and yours is more like melon rind. Mm. 
I've worked out a lot of the carbonation. But it's still... Hmm. It doesn't feel like there's enough of a... Uh, there's really not much malt there. And well, so the, keep the in mind fruity... what we're drinking, though. It's a grisette. Yeah, but... What's the ABV on this? Do you have it? Yeah, 4.7. Okay, a little bit higher than we expected, but... The... The thing is, you know, Love Mosaic hops, for sure, but if there's no malt to back mm -hmm. them up, then to me, the, the, the fruitiness is a little bit overpowering here. Mm -hmm. And it, it kind of feels like a like a big dose of, of fruit juice with a weird kind of yeasty mm -hmm. chaser. I'm not sure <laughs> how well that that's. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it. definitely it's definitely hop forward. It's 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 a hop juice. Uh, it seems like you know from the two beers we have from Manor Hill, they are both traditional European styles with the hops turned up to about fourteen. Yeah. I I think there's there's a limit to a great hop. You still have to use it correctly. You still have to use it in a way that 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 it melds with the rest of the beer. And I'm not sure this is doing that. It's uh, I mean, I find it interesting, but yeah, I don't find it like immensely drinkable. I don't find myself craving it, but uh, it's interesting. How it's put together, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think the, the hop forwardness of this is kind of jarring. It, it's not, it's not a f full picture, you know, it's yeah. And, Part of the question is why why create a saison uh, with if you're not going to highlight the saison stuff and you're, and you're just going to make it a hop juice thing, why bother with any of the other accoutrements of a saison or why bother with the with the saison yeast or or, <coughs> or, the, or that sort of malt bill when you can just put a some other like pilsner malt or some small pale malt in here and. You know, I mean, there could. I think this this isn't a beer that you need to throw out the formula for and go back to the drawing board. I think this could be tweaked into something more interesting. Possibly, I, I would down the mosaic level. I think you can still make it work, but I don't think that this much mosaic is working in this style. Prove yeah, me wrong, yeah. brewers. Prove me wrong. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think that there just was it was too boisterous mm -hmm. the, the hops, and it, it kind of took away from. The other aspects of the beer that, and they weren't enough to support the the mosaic on its own. That works for me. Oliver Brewing Company, two o six IPA, India Pale Ale. So while we're pulling that up, tell me this, Jeff: Does yes, it matter sir. who owns Revolver Brewing? Does it matter who owns Revolver Brewing? Because that was the uh, article that you sent me. Yeah, just uh, oh, another purchase. So. Miller bought a Dallas Brewery Revolver this week, and the article is a local paper one, and it's kind of get talking about the the feedback. You know, some people are like, "Good for them, local brewery does well," and other ones like, "Oh, I guess I can't drink Revolver anymore." Mm. wasn't too much detail. It's more, it's like, even though it's much smaller than Devil's Backbone and Scar City and things like that, it was just uh, just kind of to keep a tally. Of like, oh, there's another one. There's another one. And uh, I spent some time talking with the owner of Revolver at the GABF last year. And I remember trying most of their beers. It was a pretty good place. 
remember his business card too. It was actually a wooden business card. Oh, that's cool. I, I will say, like I said, the, the the headline was "Blood and Money: Colon." Does it matter who owns Revolver Brewing? Now there is a law. One of those they 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 one of their flagships is Blood and Honey. Just so, so they played off the beer. Ah, I see for okay. the title. Um, but there, there's a law, Betteridge's Law of Headlines, which says any headline that ends in a question mark can be answered by the word no. <laughs> <laughs> I just learned about this law this year, so I love it. And it usually, it, it usually works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Oliver Brewing Company, 206 IPA. So I want to talk about that story that Lou wrote on the Daily Beast. I think we need to bring that up. Let me talk about this IPA. Let me get the details out before we bring it okay. up just so we can have that mm-hmm. for the record. 7% alcohol by volume. The malts that we use are UK Halcyon uh, and Canadian Pale Ale, Crystal 45, and Wheat. Uh, they use Bittering Chinook and Cascade for hop, and they finish with Cascade and Dry Hop with Cascade. So it's a, Old school. Yes. We are uh, phase one with a little bit of phase two in there with the Chinook, but probably just really kind no, of phase Chinook, one. Chinook's OG. Yeah. Yeah, Chinook's. Chinook's OG. It's 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 not. What's the what's the big piney one? I'm not. Uh... Simcoe. Sim... No. No. Chinook's. Chinook's the piney one. There's another one. Ca- Centennial. Cascade yeah. Centennial Chinook. Or like the we're the first. It, it'll come of, to me. All right. Anyway, lose article. So yeah, he, uh, what was the title of that thing? It was um, craft beer's looming crisis. He was. Uh, it's articles uh, kind of talking about how the growth's not sustainable. Everything Greg's been saying, <laughs> how the growth's not sustainable, how it's going to you know talk, some ideas on how it may shake out. But you know, like last year, a brewery opened every two and a half days. Yeah. And when things, if things get tough, you know, like what's going to happen? He uh, had some quote. He interviewed Bill Kovaleski from Victory, and and Bill had some pretty salient quotes, I think, in the article about how, um, you know, uh, they came out of last uh, correction, you know, and it made those companies that survived stronger. But you know, last time it felt very personal because everyone knew everybody, right. and this time with so many breweries, that, you know, it just going to be a larger shakeout but it's it's become a challenge sometimes now with the amount of beers that there are out there to i guess to sort of be careful what you wish for in some sense because now there's you know i go to the store and there's a huge amount of beers for me to choose from that i mean but and i'm like well god what do i pick I mean, but there's not enough shelf space. I mean, that's the shelf space, and there's definitely not enough tap handles. I mean, I see the same beers on draft all the time, and with the other ones sneaking in or out. And I, I well, know. I mean, I would expect that, right? But I feel bad for the brewery reps and the wholesaler reps trying to put product on tap handles. I mean, it's 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 a battle now, and I'm not saying it never was, it wasn't a battle before, but well, it's an embarrassment of riches in some sense, right? There's too much. To, even though now every decent bar has 10 tap handles, there's too much beer to yeah. fit on those 10 tap handles. So the it, interesting part of the article, I think, was how like the um, the, the, the 
put the what's the name of the place that does the the consumption numbers the ibi or something like that um they don't really try they only track large retailers so they don't track like tap room purchases and and lou mentions about how yeah, much right, yeah. tap growth like 20 percent of craft beer might be uh sold on premise at tap rooms like brewery tap rooms mm-hmm. and that's not really tracked well so you know, some of the flattening of the retail numbers might be made up with, you know, this ghost number from the tap rooms. You know, that it's hard to say. But I do, I mean, just here in the Pittsburgh area, I do see more availability of tap rooms and things like that. And more beer being drank mm-hmm. and taken out of tap rooms than three or four years ago. In some sense, there's a there's an explosion of acceptable vice that beer is a part of, right? Yeah. I mean, because... Uh, when there are other things too, you know, uh, marijuana is another example of something that mm-hmm. is that people are more accepting of these traditional vices, and there that's more a part of people's lives. It's, it's going to a brewery tap room used to be, you know, twenty years ago something only drunk people, you know, only, only the, you you wouldn't tell that to somebody. That wouldn't be something you do for a night out. Go to a brewery tap room. Now it's totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go to the brewery tap room. There's gonna be a food truck outside. I mean, there's yeah, it's the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the new coffee shop. Yeah, is the brewery tap room for sure? Uh, it'd be curious to see you know how those numbers play out over the years. And um, I do like the the, the 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 silver lining of the article. I think is that you know there's and this goes back to people talking about like how many wineries there are in the country. There's like ten thousand wineries in the country, and only four thousand breweries. But most of those wineries are doing these very local niche things are not national players and i've had this feeling for a while that i think you're going to see especially when the correction the bubble pops the correction starts happening which i'm not saying isn't going to happen i think that well i think we said in the article you know it's hard to predict but you know he kind of pegged it at six months to three years <laughs> it's a it's a big window yeah. but it's a hard thing to peg down right so um i think you're going to see these places um the the success the ones that are going to eke out modest success are going to be the ones who capitalize on local and and find niches of underserved markets and things like that. So I'm guessing that the back to this beer from Oliver's the 206 IPA. I'm guessing that the brewer is English because they say on here an Englishman's interpretation of an American IPA. Okay, all right. Uh, Maybe not as over the top as some of its tr- quote unquote true American counterparts, but with more hops than we're used to using. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, on the aroma, it has a hoppy aroma, but I mean, compared to those Manor Hills, which had the hops turned up high, you know, it, it, it's. There's a sweetness in the malt that's coming through for yeah, sure. The, the color is, what would you call that, bronzish? Mm hmm. Not sure what 206 stands for. I looked up area code and that's Seattle. So yeah, that's not it. Yeah, I mean this beer is is not a hop bomb, but it is moderately hoppy. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty hoppy. It has a nice bitterness in it, but it also has a really nice malt sweetness. Yeah. The hops being, you know, just the Cascade and Chinook, the hops in the malt play together to give you this kind of sweet, juicy feel, right? You don't need galaxy, you know, like it kind of has a feel. It yeah. doesn't taste like galaxy, but it kind of has that sweet juiciness. Thing. Right. Yeah. It doesn't have the 
direct fruity notes of you know mosaic and doesn't have those like you said the sweetness of galaxy but it has those that that good well done phase one ipa stuff mm-hmm. uh yeah i mean it compared to my palate today it's it's not overly bitter but it's certainly satisfying yeah. both in the flavor the sweetness the the bitterness the hoppiness yeah i would say the difference between this and say um a sierra nevada is really in the malting here there's there's more there's more sugary, more sweet malts coming out, mm-hmm. and the hopping is pretty much the same. I mean, it, it's there's little differences, but they're very similar, I think, mm-hmm. in terms of their hop profile. But the malt profile is radically different. Yeah, yeah, it definitely has kind of a, a fuller mouthfeel, and yeah, I, I like this. I like this a lot. This I could definitely see myself drinking a couple of. This is, mm-hmm. you know, the most drinkable of the night, I think. And, um, well, the opioid was really good, too. But... I'm I'm surprised. I'm surprised the the way the hops are coming across with just Cascade on, on finishing flavor. Because the Chinooks were bittering. Cascade was all the late hops. Yeah. And I'm surprised that the Cascade comes across so fruity. I mean, there's a little bit of orange in there, but it really it comes across a little... More, I don't know. I mean, if you look at the, the malts they're being used again, I'll, I'll, I'll repeat them UK Halcyon, which I'm not too familiar with, a Canadian Pale Ale, Crystal 45, and Wheat. They're doing mm-hmm. some stuff there to, to get the malt to, to do some, some yeah. clever things. Yeah, I think the wheat's gonna yeah. bolster the body, mm-hmm. kind of smooth it out a little bit, kind of fight that bitterness back. This is cool. I like this. It is ending on a slightly bitter note, it is ending a little bit. Like oh. well, like those phase one IPAs tend tend to do they tend to stick on your tongue and and especially if they get beyond a certain IBU. Oh, this is certainly a bigger IPA than I would expect. The hearing uh, English style IPA. It's definitely an American style. Well, IPA. they said it's an English man making. I, I know, but it's definitely. I mean, just to the listener, right? right this yeah. is definitely an American style IPA. It's just not the razor edge of of um, yeah innovation. Well, I, I think that part of the the fun of a beer like this is when IPAs, when you know, the phase one was around and IPAs were, were all the rage that first time and people were going for big, big hops, big, big hops, there wasn't a lot of focus on making the malts interesting. Now that you can go back mm-hmm. and play with that formula, you, you yeah, can go and, and play with the malts and do some interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. The Halcyon might have some Maris Otter type characteristics, you know, because okay. this has a pretty, um, you know, the, it kind of has that feel, right, where it's a little, you know, when I drink, you know, think of good. Yeah, it almost tastes like a kettle caramelization, almost. There's a little yeah. caramelish quality in there, mm-hmm. toffee notes that uh, that are coming through. Good. That was the 206 from Oliver Brewing. One last beer. This is the Nanakoke Nectar from Rar Brewing. Two. There are two beers left. Oh, there's a beer hidden behind the microphone. (laughs) All right. Rar is interesting because Rar stands for Real Revival. Re-Ale Revival. I think they wanted Rar, and then they shoehorned some words into... 
the name so they can get their uh, trademarks and things. Yeah. <laughs> Rar. It, 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 you know what that sounds to me like? It, have you seen those those Ron Paul Relovution oh. <laughs> signs? Oh, I thought I was trying to read it, you know, because like the can doesn't s- just says Rar on it. Yeah. The only place it has the real company name is you know brewed and canned by re and it's yeah. it's green on silver and i was having a hard time reading i'm like does that say a revival what, what does that say i couldn't read it i the, the weird thing is uh, yeah i'm curious what that means because is there really a problem with with getting real ale these days i don't think so but it's not real ale right it's real re 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 ale Right, re ale e revival or re ale revival. So it's real e revival or re it's re ale revival. revival. Well, I don't think this is important to the beer that we're going to be drinking. Just call it RAR. <laughs> but yeah, we wasted too much time on that. This has been a show where we yeah. wasted time on a lot yeah. of different subjects. Speaking of wasting time, do 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 do. We'll just waste time, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Support our show. When you Amazon shop, don't go to Amazon.com. Go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Get a referral thing tagged in there. It doesn't cost you a penny more. And some of the money that you spend comes to us instead of all going to Amazon. That's it. Every time you shop, go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Piney. Yeah, yeah, definitely a pine bough. There's a little something sweet, kind of like a um, some kind of floral thing going on in there. Seven point four on this one. I don't have any other information on it. Proudly brewed on the shores of the Chop Tank River in Cambridge, Maryland. Chop Tank. Those were those oysters. Yeah, I, I didn't know that the oyster place was named after the river. I thought Chop Tank sounds like mm-hmm. something you do to oysters. <laughs> There's a a picture on the, so the the can has a picture of a stump with a hatchet in it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that is supposed to represent. All right, so beer pours with a light head. It's kind of a cloudy orange. Aroma, like Greg said, I think piney describes kind of reminds me of like a wet pine bough. Looking through a pine forest after the rain. A little I'm bit just, of orange in the, the nose. Sorry, I'm looking at the uh, the raw site trying to find find where oh. where that name comes from. So far, it's it's just they needed a name, and every other name was taken. A little bit of orange in the aromas. I'm getting into it. The flavor, it's pretty sweet IPA. It has kind of a juiciness to it, almost like a sweet tea. Maybe a little bit of tannins in there. The mm. flavor is kind of um, almost like clementine, I guess. Kind of a sweet orange, like a clementine. That's interesting. Well, anyway, sorry. Here's the news site. <laughs> the news area. There's nothing in it. But yeah, clementine. I like that pull. Uh, the... It's interesting because you smell you smell pine and really there's not a lot of pine 
coming through. There's a lot of fruitiness. My second sip, I am getting a little bit like uh, pine needle. Like, um, you know, those long, soft pine needles, you know, kind of like the kind of flavor. Yeah, and, and leaning towards almost a bit of like a spearmint. Mm-hmm. So this is phase two. Yeah, like Simcoe, mm-hmm. Amarillo, Tomahawk, Zeus. Less dank than you might think, mm-hmm. but still plenty resiny with some lighter, like you said, sort of orangey notes coming through. Yeah, this one's pretty... This is the Nanakoke Nectar from RAR. And uh, this one's pretty drinkable. That that The sweetness that the malt rides on. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, this one definitely leaves a, a bitter coating on your mouth. As I'm drinking it, it's kind of building up. So if you have your, your phase ones, which are your... Your your deep resins and your um, and your grapefruits, and then your phase two has more piney notes, more herbaceous notes coming through. In addition to some mm-hmm. with Simcoe, some sort of oniony notes, some sulfury notes, but also some things that stretch the into kiwi in some places and into berry in some places of the hops. And then your phase three, the ones that we have that, that are coming out now, are the more tropical. Right. Your mangoes, your passion fruit stuff. Those are your mosaic hops and things and galaxy. Just to remind those, those right. terms. Right, what you do. I like that. Yeah. Definitely uh, very, very hoppy, very forward, very uh, hop bursting, juicy. Mm-hmm. But it, it doesn't overstay its welcome like I find a lot of phase twos yeah. tend to do. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't like Simcoe drudgery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ever double Simcoe? <laughs> I do. <laughs> All right, final beer of the time. Let's get some funk on. Duclaw, sour me this. All right. Duclaw, bring it on. Like Duclaw a lot. They've been around for 20 years. I had no idea. Really? I um, pegged them at like. Seven or eight years. Yeah, because you know, I I only remember like hearing about them like for the first time five years ago and being impressed. Mm-hmm. So we have sour me this a dry hopped sour. The only beer tonight that comes in a bottle. Five point eight percent alcohol by volume. Guess the IBUs on this dry hop sour. Uh, 78 and a half. 78 and a half. You're off by 72. <laughs> 6.3 IBUs. <laughs> okay. I was just guessing because... Because <laughs> you asked me to guess. Not because yeah, I, no, t- I, I tasted or smelled. I would have guessed the same thing. You hear it hopped and you think, oh, it's going to be high on the IBUs. Yeah, but dry hop doesn't add IBU, right? Right. Uh, Tetnang and Motueka hops. Motueka, oh, Motueka. Guy. Actually, they must have the corner, the market cornered on Motueka because that other one we had was a Duclaw, the one, the one that we talked to people about. Yeah, the um, right? I don't remember the name of it, but 
But I mean, the the brewery, the beer that we say this Motueka is an yeah. interesting new hop was was Duclaws. Yeah, Pilsner, wheat malt, and torrified wheat. Uh, the beer with the Otueka that we were talking about. I'm going to look at their beers list here. Talk. Well, okay. I, All right. So Hellraiser, Hellraiser IPA. That's it. All right. So beer is um, clear, very clear, clearest thing of the night. Uh, straw colored. Poured with a uh, quickly vanishing head. The aroma is an interesting mix of the dry hopped, which kind of smells kind of like a pellet hops. Like if you ever take a pellet hop mm-hmm. and kind of put it in wort or in your glass or something or in your mouth, kind of there's a certain um, that freeze dried flavor mm-hmm. of of the hop. You kind of get a little bit of. That in the aroma. I'm smelling a bit of that Motueka vanilla. Are you? That we've had Motueka in other beers before that hasn't come across as vanilla. So it could be like a Duclaw process thing. Process that, yeah, that gives them this quality. But And then the, the sour in this, it's kind of a yogurty thing. It's probably a kettle sour. I'm not sure if you... I wasn't listening if you actually read what no, it was. No, there but, is a YouTube video which I can play, okay. but no. So it, it smells kind of yogurty, lactic, so I'm guessing it's kind of kettle sour yeah. on this guy. And you mentioned the color is a uh, goldish straw color. Okay, on the flavor, significantly tart and tangy. Kind of makes you pucker. Yeah. The the dry hopped sour part, the dry hop part of it, isn't like on the first sip isn't readily apparent, right? It's not like oh this thing is like mm-hmm. super dry hopped and all you're tasting is hops, right? It's not that. Yeah, it's more probably subtle, yeah. probably as I take more sips, it'll become more apparent. But on that first sip, you just you're kind of on that sour. You're like oh yeah, big boy sour. Mm-hmm. It's definitely you know the kettle sour because it's it's that lactic sour. Mm-hmm. Um, comes across there's not so much yogurty in the flavor the flavor is kind of more um, how, how do I want to describe this uh, limey right yeah right and there's something I'm missing it's not just straight up like a lime users but you know it definitely Starting out there. At 5.8, it's pretty strong for your traditional, for, for the kettle sours mm-hmm. that you're used to. And you can feel that in the body, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's got a, yeah, it's got a considerable body to it. Yeah, it seems, you know, because the kettle souring, the Berliner Weiss and stuff, it, because it gives you so much flavor, you don't need to waste money by mm-hmm. putting extra pounds of malt in there. Mm-hmm. Right, you see, you, you cut back, you save money, you make a cheaper beer, uh, budget-wise, because you don't need as much right. malt, and you're satisfying the drinker with, with all the tang and sour. And this one seems like you know, like whatever. Let's put a couple. Well, I I think that the the hops are on the outside of this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's I'm still waiting for them for my palate to get used enough to the sour yeah. that I can taste the hops. But they're there, and I think that. From the perspective, if it, I, I don't know the whole story, I haven't watched the video or anything, but I think that from the perspective of, of the brewer, 
if you're going to have some of these hoppy notes, there's going to be some bitter notes that come through. Balance that with more malt in there to sweeten it mm-hmm. up a bit. Yeah. Especially, I would love to know, like, this is like, I think this is more sour in a kettle sour than in a lot of beers. I would like to know, like, how like how many hours they let the mash tun sit. Like, I'm guessing, like, three or four days from the amount of sour on this. So it, it, it's a good sour. Um, it's not, yeah, it, it's, it's not leaning back on the sour. It's leaning forward with the sour. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pushing it uh, in a good way. I like this a lot. Like a lot of Duclaw beers, uh, they they do they make good stuff. I haven't had many beers from Duclaw that I dislike. Mm-hmm. I've had some. Well, I've had some that I felt are gimmicky, but none that I felt are bad. Right. I think maybe one. They I'm make the to... uh, peanut, make the peanut yeah one. right sweet baby Jesus or something. Like yeah. That, yeah, yeah, that's probably. Uh, out of the regular ones, that's one I just don't really yeah. care for. It's gimmicky, but... Yeah, I mean, peanut butter beers are like pumpkin <laughs> beers, I right. think. You know, it sounds great until you actually try to do it. It it comes across, yeah, like a candy. And it comes across... That particular one comes across like a candy. This is good. This is... Mm-hmm. This this is sour without feeling sour patch kid. Um, mm-hmm. You know, without overdoing it in, in that direction. I think that the hops are there, but they're really on the periphery. Yeah, I'm tasting them in fleets, fleeting moments here and there, but not really living up to the expectation of the label. No, I'm not saying that makes the beer stink. Uh, I'm enjoying this beer a lot too. Yeah. Uh, the uh, as I'm drinking it, the lime flavors are coming more apparent, and it's. Um, I think you know, there's a bunch of limed gozes and things like that out there that that uh, don't do it as well as this. And as far as we know, this one doesn't add any lime. True. Hmm. I guess it's time to rank the show and get the heck out of here, huh? Is it? I don't know. You got something else? No, I don't. <laughs> then I guess it's time to rank the show and get the heck out of here. All right, so from the bottom, I'm going to put that Kolsch from Manor Hill Brewing. It was starting to pick up an infection. I, I think I liked what I was... I thought. I think I found it interesting what was in that beer, that, that over-amplified hopping on a Kolsch. I think that could have been neat, but because it was picking up an infection, it's going to fall into last place. Then I'm going to put the Grisette from Manor Hill in, in uh, fifth place. This one's a little more, not because it is infected. It's just, I don't think the execution on that beer was there. Yeah. I think that that one was um, just poor execution. I don't think that a Grisette's a good palette for mosaic. At least not that much mosaic. And hopefully they fine-tune that beer and it becomes a little more balanced, a little more uh, full palette. Uh, if the Kolsch was clean, I would have definitely put the Kolsch in front of the Manor Hill. It's hard mm-hmm. to tell how far up the stack it would have went. Um, Suddenly gets a lot harder, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It does. I think I'm going to put the the Balt from Union. I like this beer a lot, but I'm going to put that in fourth place. And that's because, you know, maybe that's the hard luck break, break point for me. Uh, 
I thought it did a good job with um, some some interesting flavors. I think I would have liked a little more cleanness as opposed to uh, the caramel flavors for that style for for the alt beer. But like I said, we spent twenty minutes saying how I feel that I can't be an alt beer expert until I get to Dusseldorf, <laughs> so I'm not too gonna get too hung up on it. But that was a good beer. Uh, you know, it's one of the one, it, it's the break even point. Check this beer out. Um, Gonna put the RAR in third place. That you know, it's Nanacoke Nectar, right? And it had that juicy nectary type feel to it. I, I enjoyed that beer quite a bit. I'm trying to draw details on which one that was. That was the Clementine one, right? Is yeah, yeah. Faisu. Yeah, that was the one that kind of had that Clementine, had the pine bough aroma mm-hmm. and the Clementine flavor. That was pretty good. In tough now. I'm going to put the Ducal in second place. Uh, I like the Sour Me this uh, quite a bit. I, I think that the reason it's in second is because I kind of want to showcase the, the 206 IPA. I, I thought that was a really drinkable beer. Uh, probably the most drinkable for me of the night. Uh, I really liked how the malts played with just Cascade as flavoring and aroma hops. Uh, a little bit of wheat in there. That uh, Excuse me. Um, that had the the halcyon or something in yeah. it too, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that was a, a curious uh, malt. I, I just think that beer was really drinkable and um, not necessarily English style, but it definitely could feel an English pedigree in the beer. And uh, yeah, I'm going to give that Oliver Brewing beer the top spot. All right. So for me, uh, I am in agreement with Jeff for most of it. Uh, Manor Hill Kolsch is the last place. Um, didn't uh, didn't get the beer that we wanted from that, and um, it, in fact, we it, it might be better to say that it really couldn't be judged honestly because of the uh, no, it wasn't it wasn't like drain pour, right? Okay, that's true. It wasn't drain pour. It was starting to go off. You could I I could taste what the clean beer in there. Yeah, most likely was. Yeah, yeah that's true. That and and there was interesting stuff there, right? The interesting mm-hmm. idea of of a berry forward, of like a a mosaic forward Kolsch, mm-hmm. right? It's interesting. What, what that was a mosaic? No, was that it? was no, that was that was the melon one. The melon one. Okay. Yeah, you're confusing it, right? The melon actually worked well with the Kolsch flavor. Yeah, right. It, it it's the yes, you're you're right. Still, so the question for you is, will you forgive the spoilage and put it in second to last place? No, I won't. I won't forgive the spoilage. But uh, I will put the Grisette in next place. It wasn't spoiled, but it, it had issues that uh, I didn't like. I didn't like the mosaic forward Saison without anything to deal with the strong influence that mosaic had. Uh, other than that high carbonation, which wasn't hitting me the way I normally like high carbonation. So there were a bunch of things in there that uh, didn't appeal to me. So that's going to go fifth place. Fourth, uh, I'm going to put the RAR in fourth place. Only because... only I, Well, I, only because the other ones were just a little bit more interesting to me. Uh, it was clearly a phase two IPA that we're used to, done well, but still done in in that sort of we're used to it i I, i've had this beer before type thing so not not, not, Mm -hmm. nothing new 
for me for the RAR. In third place, I'm going to put the Union. I did enjoy the alt. I liked what was coming from it. And uh, it definitely, in terms of discussion, is number one. In terms of, of what it was <laughs> Time able to, spent. To, to bring out of us and, and, and the, the conversation that it starts is number one. But in terms of uh, how it ranked it as third place, second place, I'm going to put the Oliver. I love the idea of going back to these old sort of formulations and playing around with different things. And so this is going back to a phase one hop. Mm-hmm for an IPA, but playing around with the malts in interesting ways and seeing what comes out. And you get a really good beer out of it. A little bitter towards the end, like those phase ones tend to be, but uh, still very good. But I I mean, this is a great sour, this Duclaw. I, I think it's really well done. Uh, it, it, it feels like a Duclaw beer in that it feels professional. Right? It feels mm-hmm. worked on. It feels like they, they got the kinks out that other breweries wouldn't would kind of leave in um so in some sense it doesn't feel as pure as say a brewery beer might or you think it feels more manufactured a little bit in a good way like sure like a like a, a really good ikea table or something right so <laughs> i don't know if that's a compliment I, I don't know i'm trying to find a way to make so like or or okay like an like an ipod or an iPhone, right? Like well done, well manufactured, everything really fits together well. There is some it almost feels like there's there's just the tiniest bit of soul missing from it. So so it's it's a beautiful piece of art, but it lacks the passion. I'm not saying that do close brewers lack passion. Yeah, I'm, right, just yeah. say, it, I'm just saying that see yeah, that's interesting you put it that way. I was I my previous uh-huh. thing I was going to interject was that I wonder if, you know, you and I do agree, you know, are putting um, some bonus points into the Duclaw label because we've been pretty happy with Duclaw. But now you're kind of giving him this, like, the, it's almost, it's kind of backhanded, right? Where you're like, you know, it f- doesn't feel like it's passionate. It's, it feels manufactured. It, 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 <laughs> there's something about the, the Duclaw beers that feel to me like they are too perfect. Okay. Too, like there's there's very we, we talked about tolerances and about that sort of that uh, um that error bar and it's like right. the the do claws find something and they really kind of find that signal and there's no noise and sometimes. That's I I think that's awesome that they can do that, and I it's my number one beer. There's right. a lot of Duclaw beers are number one. There's a part of me that is like that that is just saying, well, is there something missing here? They're the Michael Phelps. Like, they're just too good to be exciting. <laughs> maybe maybe that's part of it. I, I feel you expect them to hit every home run every time. I'm not saying it's logical. Yeah, but yeah, right. It's like. After a while, yeah, somebody starts winning, 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 winning. You're like, yeah. oh, it's just another Russian River. Of course, it's going to be awesome. Sort of, but Russian yeah. River though has a. They have that. They have that thing that I'm not getting from Duke Claw, but may, it, that could right. it, it could just be 
my inter I, I think it almost certainly is just my like weird psychological thing I have around them. But I, I, I wouldn't hold this on them as like something that you should think about. But it's it just to give you an idea of, of where where my headspace is when I'm looking at it. When I'm looking at Duclaw, I feel this way, and yet I still can't put their beers number one all the time. I don't know what that says. I I don't know what it says either. I, I know. I, like I said, other than Sweet Baby Jesus, I've had. Maybe almost. it is like it. Maybe maybe Sweet Baby Jesus is having an effect on me in that sense because it You're feels right, like those a holes make that piece well, of crap. Well, no, it, it, but it feels like they hit a mark with that. That is Tootsie Roll peanut butter kind of thing, and it just feels like like researched almost like like it went through. Uh, it went through a whole bunch of of panels to get that. That's what breweries do. I know, I know. They are well on their way to being the next Budweiser. <laughs> the next Budweiser. Yes. In terms of how. Oh, one quick story, real quick. So I guess I've been indoctrinating my daughter. We've been watching the Olympics, and there's the Budweiser commercial uh-huh. that they're playing with the America cans, right? America. And I never made any comments about this commercial. And Ellie's like, I hate that commercial. Like, why do you hate it? She's like, it's just dumb. When when you're a kid, that you find things. You hate. I, I remember uh, I hated the the Chevy Heartbeat of America commercials. Uh, I couldn't stand the boom 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 boom. Yeah. Oh, I hated them. I didn't hate Chevys, <laughs> right? I just hated the commercial. Yeah. But I just thought, like, I thought it was curious because, like, of course it's a Budweiser commercial. I'm not gonna care about it. But Allie, why do you hate this commercial? Why, Allie? Why? Did I say something? Did I? Did I make you hate Budweiser? Anyway. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com and look for that at the bottom if you want to learn what that means. Of course, any of the music is not a Creative Commons. This is uh, Chiba Mato with uh, Sci-Fi Wasabi off of their album. Yeah, it's a very, uh, it's a timid attempt at fair use. Uh, <laughs> uh, email beer at craftbeerradio.com twitter at cbr gray at jeff bear at craftbeerradio and that's it we will talk at you again next week <laughs>